Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I'm excited that you're here. I want to welcome you to Believe Land. Uh, this is a place here, and we want it to be a place in this room. We want it to be this way in your life where anything is possible. So Jesus has a desperate father come to him, and this father has a son, and he's gone to other people for help. Even the, Jesus' disciples prayed for his son. They couldn't help him. So he said to Jesus, he said, if you can, would you heal my son? And I love the response. It's Mark chapter 9, verse 23. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The first half of the verse, Jesus is saying, hey, what, I'm God the Son. I spoke the universe into existence. Of course, I, course I can heal your son. The second half is all about what we need to do to connect with that God who can do the impossible in our life, right? So that has to do with believing. Again, one more time, anything is possible if a person believes. So we thought, let's wrap a series in a story because that's how Jesus taught. So we thought, you know what? Last year, what the Cavs done was absolutely miraculous. And we thought, let's, let's wrap a series in a documentary that ESPN put out. So they put out this documentary called Believe Land. It was before Cleveland won. You saw some of the clips in our bumper video. And the idea was, hey, it's been 52 years. The football team, the Browns, basketball team, the Cavs, baseball team, the Indians. No professional sports team has won a championship in 52 years in Cleveland, but everybody's hyped up. Everybody thinks it's coming. Everybody thinks LeBron's going to be the one that can help us receive that championship. So the documentary was awesome, but we hadn't won yet, so it's, it, it came out. They had to add on to it. So last year in the playoffs, we were right where we are this year. Uh, it, it was... Uh, four games, it was three to one, and we had to go back to play the Warriors. And everybody counted this out because we had to win three games in a row. And here we are again this year. Now, the difference between this year and last year is they cheated. They, they brought Kevin Durant on their team, the second best player in the world. He's now one of their teammates. It wouldn't be cheating if we did it. It would have been a brilliant move. But they did it, so it is cheating. It's cheating. So this year in the offseason, we're going to find our Kevin Durant, and we're going to bring him on, and then next year uh, it, it will be a way different story. But, but no one thought we could win, but here's what LeBron did. LeBron, before game five, he was walking around with this T-shirt on. It was an Undertaker T-shirt, and for those of you that are in your 30s, you remember who the Undertaker uh, would be. My son Joe's a year younger than LeBron, and I remember when Joe and Dave were in junior high, big time wrestling came and did an event at, at YSU. So my boys wanted to go. And, and, and the, the number one uh, attraction was The Undertaker. And so he was one of these wrestling characters. And here was his deal. He would almost lose. He'd almost be beaten down. Then he would rise up from the ashes and he'd come back. And he'd say, I always rise up from the ashes. So LeBron's wearing his shirt. Now, LeBron's way too prepped way too professional, right, to, to say we're going we're gonna to come back and win three games. The Warriors aren't professional. They're, they're saying all kinds of things right now. LeBron's way too professional. So all he did was wear the shirt, but here's what everybody says. 
the chatter in the locker room was, we can do this. We're going to win three games in a row. And that's why he was wearing that shirt. And guess what we're going to talk about today? The power of your words. Because when it comes to believing, your words are really, really important. And we need to put on our undertaker shirt, right? We, we need to be chattering some things that the Bible says we should be chattering. So I always have a big idea, and this is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And uh, some of you know this, so I'm just hoping to open up your eyes further. For others, um, you're going to hear it for the first time, and, and you're going to want to high-five me on the way out. You're going to come in a lot of time. That, that changed my life. And, and here's our big idea. It just goes like this. Your words shape your world. And this is what the Bible teaches. Your words literally are shaping your world. Now, I'm going to get into what I'm about to say. We'll get into it a little deeper in a moment, but I, I want to just lay it out there. It's not just any words. It's words you believe and speak. They're shaping your world, whether, whether you know it or not. They're shaping your world. They can be negative. They can be positive. They can be biblically true. They can be untrue. But if you believe them, they are literally shaping your world. So here, here's the story. This, this is a true story. Um, Gene and I will be married 20, uh, 34 years uh, this November, and for about 32 years and a half, something's happened to me. It happened every time I went in a restaurant, and it didn't happen to Gina, but 90% of the time when I ordered, when I go to a restaurant, 90% of the time they mess my order up. Can you imagine 90% of the time? Gina's a normal person. She's 1% or 2% of the time. I am 90% of the time they mess my order up. This happened for 32-plus years. So I would walk in a restaurant, and here's what I would say to Gina. I wonder how they're going to mess my order up today. And they would. It would be the wrong order. I'd say no cheese. They'd bring cheese, no butter. Butter would be on the toast, whatever. Whatever I said, they messed it up in one way or another. And she would just laugh at me, and I would just say, how are they going to mess it up today? Well, a little bit over a year ago, she looked at me one day, and they, and they really messed my dish up bad. And I said, see, it happens every time. And she said, honey, you know, but when are you going to change what comes out of your mouth? And I said, woman, we came for breakfast, not a sermon, not a lecture. Please back off. Yeah, right. I said that to Gina, right, yeah. So, no, I didn't say that. I thought it, though. I did think it. <coughs> Smart enough not to say it, right? So, so I disagreed with her. I said, oh, come on. It's, it's just reality. She said, I really think you're creating your reality. She says, it doesn't happen to me. And I said, well, let me think about it. And then I got to thinking about it. And then I realized, you know what? I really believe they're going to mess my food. I believe that. I'm convinced they're going to mess it up. And 90% of the time they mess it up. So I just thought, you know what? I'm going to change. I'm going to change what I believe and I'm going to change what I say. I'm going to begin to say they always get it right. Uh, restaurants do a, just a perfect job on me. And I realize one or 2% of the time they'll make some kind of boo boo. But in the last year now, guys, I'm, I'm below Gene. I'm like a 1% failure rate. It's just been absolutely amazing. You may be sitting here saying, can this be true? It can, but, but we, we need to make sure you understand it. So here's a statement I, I, I think is really important. What you're believing is what you're saying. And this week, I want you to take time 
as you go through different scenarios, things you do over and over again, I want you to take time and I, I want you to stop at times and, and just examine the words that you speak. Because what you believe is what you're saying. And your words are shaping your world. Jesus said this. Listen to what Jesus said in, in Luke 6.45. He said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, what the heart is full of is what you believe. And whatever you believe, it's, it's pouring out of your mouth. And it's literally shaping your world. And that's so important for you and I to understand. So uh, now you have to promise me you'll respect me after I share this next little clip of a story. Uh, I, I've been getting hammered in the lobbies after the, uh, this morning and last night. But I am a true Cavaliers fan. I'm a true Cleveland sports fan. I love all the Cleveland sports. And by the way, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, I've, I received so many texts from you guys this week. Some of you said, you know, you, had to, you almost threw up last week because we talked about Cleveland so much. But, but um, I text a lot of the Steelers fans back. And you know what I said? I said, listen, you guys have an incredible front office, incredible coaching. You don't even need God's help, but we have to rely on God, us Browns fans, right? The Browns don't have a LeBron, right? We have to rely on God, but uh, we are rebuilding. You wait and see. In 20 years, we're going to take it all, right? Uh, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm the worst fan ever, so here we go. I almost forgot what I was going to say. Um, my kids don't even want to watch the playoffs with me. My, my boys just say, Dad, either shut up or, or we're going to go in another room. You go in another room. My daughters just roll their eyes. You know, they're nicer. And so uh, here's what happens. Last year when we were three to one, right, uh, going into game four, here's what I'm saying. All right, I just want you to know what I'm saying. I want us to win, but I doubt if we will. I just, I, these guys are really good. I don't think we can beat them. And my boys are like so mad. Dad, would you shut your mouth? How can you say that, Dad? And then I just say, well, guys, you know I'm on the spectrum for OCD, and I'm literal. My mom and dad were literal. We're this literal people. I, I didn't know what sarcasm was until I married my wife. No one in our family is sarcastic. It just goes over my head. I don't even know what it is. And I'm so literal. I just look at the facts, and I'm like, I, I want them to win, guys, but I'm not so sure we can. And they're like, Dad, get out of the room. Dad, we don't want you watching this with us. How many of you are glad whether or not the Cavs win doesn't depend on a fan like me, right? It doesn't depend on us. But the Cavs were believing. They were expecting. They were speaking with that undertake. They, they were speaking, man. And it's important for you and I to know whatever's in here, that's what's coming out. So God himself, this is how he operates. And then Jesus taught us that we can also operate in the same way. We're not God, but we can operate in the same way. So listen to what the Bible says here. Hebrews 11, verse 3. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that it, what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, I love, I love this. First of all, notice God created the universe by his command. That Greek word translated as command is the Greek word rhema. It just means spoken word. But he spoke with authority, so they, they put the word command there. So, so get a hold of this. God spoke, Genesis 1, and, and the world came into existence. But here's what's really cool. Listen to this. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So God's the unseen God because he lives in the spirit realm. 
We're in the natural realm. He created this realm. The, the spirit realm created this realm. God's more real than we are. The spirit realm's more real than this realm. But because we're in these bodies, we can't see it. But God himself spoke the universe into existence. And here's what's cool. This is what the latest thing uh, that is coming out of the mouth of the greatest minds in the world when it comes to science. These are physicists. Here's what they're saying. And I love to listen to these guys and read some of their articles. They're saying that they have now proven that the universe began from a microscopic speck. You can't see it with these eyes. Here's what they say. They say they're able now to look way back at the beginning. I don't know how they do all this stuff. But they say there's a point in time where there was a microscopic point. You can't see it. And they say all of a sudden the entire universe came forth from nothing out of a microscopic speck. And I'm like, duh, I could have told you that 30 years ago, Genesis chapter 1. Although that's by faith, right? Because I, I, I don't... I'm. The Bible's not proving anything by science. I believe it's true, but it's proving it, and we believe it by faith. But now the greatest minds in the world, I don't know if it's made textbooks yet, they're saying it was a microscopic point, and God created everything we see from nothing. That's how God operates. And God said, let there be light. God said, let there be stars. Whoa. But now this is important, you ready? Our words can't create worlds, they can shape ours. I can't create a universe. Wish I could. I'd have some fun. You'd have some fun if you could, but we can't. So Jesus is dealing with this subject, and I'm going to read a verse here. It is so amazing, and I want you to see this. Those of you that have been around for a while, I want to look at the other side of the mountain today because this is a landscape verse. This is a verse about changing the landscape of your life. It's an amazing verse. So Jesus is really hungry, he sees a fig tree. He's going to the city of Bethany, and it has leaves on it. He walks up to the tree, but the Bible teaches us it was not the time of figs. So figs should not. It wasn't season. They shouldn't have been on there. Jesus looked at the tree, didn't see any figs, and here's what he said. No man eat fruit from you ever again. And the Bible says the disciples heard him. They went to Bethany. They slept. They came back the next day. They walked by the tree, and Peter sees it first. He says, Jesus, look, look, the tree that you cursed, it dried up at the roots. Like, whoa, what you said happened. So Jesus thought, teaching moment. <laughs> and I want you to see what he said. What he said is absolutely amazing. It's Mark eleven twenty three. 23, teaching moment. You ready? I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, and he's standing next to a big mountain. He says, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt. So here's what he's saying. If you don't believe the words you speak, they don't, they don't work. But if you believe them, he says, you can move mountains. Now, just so you understand, this the mountain, he's referring to it uh, metaphorically. It, it's not literal. It's metaphorically. And in Bible days, mountains were different than they are today. In Bible days, mountains were immovable. Today, we can drill a hole through a mountain, right? They don't, they don't impact our landscape. If we want to get from point A to B quicker, we just go right through a mountain. We can literally blow a mountain up and cart it away in trucks and throw it into the sea. We have the ability, the technology. In Bible days, a mountain was immovable, and Jesus is using it for a metaphor. He's saying, you take anything that's immovable in your life 
And if you can begin to speak words of life to it and you begin to speak what I've declared to it and believe that what you say will come to pass, he says, you, you can reshape your entire landscape. So think about Bible days. If they want to go from point A to B, what do they have to do? Climb over the mountain, go around the mountain. That mountain is impacting their life. So think about the mountains that are in our lives. What, do you, what, what mountains are in your life right now? They're impacting their lives. So Jesus said, listen, listen. Your words can reshape your world. You can literally reshape your world. You can get rid of mountains. And here's, here's what's really amazing. Some of those mountains in our life are literally put there by us because what we believe isn't correct and we're not believing the right thing and we're saying things that we believe. We're literally creating some mountains. That's why Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world. The word conform means to press in to the, 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 the thinking, the vice of this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transform, it's the Greek word metamorphi. It's where we derive our English word metamorphosis. So we all know what that is, right? Caterpillar turns into butterfly. Tadpole turns into frog. Can we all agree uh, a caterpillar doesn't look anything like a butterfly? A tadpole doesn't look anything like a frog. There's, there's a complete transformation. Now here's what God says. If you spend time in my Bible, in my promises, and you think about them, you read them, even confess them to yourself, like just, just meditate in them. He says, you'll change your belief system. That's transforming yourself. And he said, you'll literally begin to see life differently, think differently. And that's what Jesus is saying here. When we speak what we believe, it changes things. So in my early days as a, as a pastor and a Christian, I would read this verse and the, the latter part, believe that what you say is true and don't doubt. I would grab scriptures and I'd try to speak them. And, and, and I believed them up here, but I just would try to work so hard to believe them. And then one day it just dawned on me, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me just change the way I think. Let's spend a lot of time in these scriptures. Let's make it my belief system so that when things comes at, come at me, that's just what default mode is. That's what comes out of me. I have financial worries, financial stress. I, it just comes out of me. I believe it. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. It's just what comes out of me. And that mountain can begin to change. It can begin to shift in every single area of our life. That's what Jesus is saying. So I call this a landscape scripture because Jesus is talking about reshaping our landscape. And how does he say it's done? With our words. So this week, again, as you're going through the week, Keep checking up what's coming out of your mouth. And if you see some things coming out that you don't like and you're agreeing with all the problems in your life, you, you just need to get yourself into the Bible, find out what it says, and begin to change the things you're saying. So here's a cool story. There's this kid in the Bible. He's only 16. Think about it, 16-year-old kid. He becomes king of Israel later, but this 16-year-old kid reshaped the entire landscape of Israel because of what he believed, not because of his power, not because of his might. And most of us have heard the story of David and Goliath, right? So here, here's a painting rendition of it. And here's what you need to know about Goliath. Goliath was nine feet tall. That's really tall. Um, his armor weighed 200 pounds. That's a big boy. And the spear 
The spearhead on his javelin weighed 25 pounds. So all you guys that are my age, remember when we'd be in a gym and a 25-pound dumbbell, like, who would use that? It's so light, you know? And now I pick them up and it's like, can hardly do them, right? Um, think about a 25-pound dumbbell on the end of a spear. Think about a guy that could pick it up and throw it. Whew, this boy was big. Now, in case you're wondering how can someone be nine feet tall, two times in the Bible, two times, the Bible says that angels came down to earth and had sexual relations with, with women. And, and the Bible literally says it created giants. Now, God placed those angels in chains so they'll never do it again, right? The flood got rid of some, but then they did it again after the flood, and so we, we, had, we had to get rid of some of them. Now, Goliath is probably third or fourth generation from the giants, which means his angel genes kept being watered down every, you know, every generation, but he's still a big boy. He's very unusual, nine foot. So he is in the Philistine army, and here's Israel, uh, the Philistines, they attacked Israel. So Israel's on one hill defending their land, and, and Philistines are here, and there's the Valley of Elah, and he comes down, Goliath, every day for 40 days. And 40 is the number in the Bible for testing. So God is testing King Saul. He's testing Israel. For 40 days, he comes down every day, and he says, hey, send your best person. He said, I'll fight him. If I win, you're our slaves. If you win, we'll be your slaves. That way we don't have to kill a bunch of soldiers. Do you know that all of Israel, King Saul included, were shaking in their boots for 39 days? Now on the 40th day, this didn't happen by chance, David's dad said, hey, leave the sheep. I want you to take some food to your brothers. Two of his brothers were in the uh, Israeli army. He said, bring them some food. David comes carting the food in on the 40th day. He hears Goliath. And, and this is what's crazy. Here's what's so crazy. His response is totally the opposite of everyone in Israel, even the king. And I, I just want you to take a look at, at what the Bible says. Uh, listen to 1 Samuel 17, 26. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? And then here's what's important. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Why wasn't King Saul saying that? Why, why weren't at least one of the soldiers saying that? Think about what this guy's saying. Uh, circumcision was the sign of, for a Jewish person. It was the outward sign that they were in covenant with God. And when God made a covenant with them, he said, have your men circumcised. That's going to remind you that you're in covenant with me. You know what God said to them? When you go to battle, I will go before you. When you go into battle, I will fight with you. When you go into battle, I will protect your six. God promised to fight for them. He said, if the odds are ever against you, I will intervene. I will fight for you. They all read the Bible. They all knew the scriptures, but they didn't believe it in here. Now, here's a 16-year-old little runny guy coming, and he sees this big nine-foot giant. He hears him saying all the trash talk he's saying, and he says, he's not, he's not covenant with God. I mean, I don't care how big he is. As God helps me, he's a little, he's a little just a little wimp next to God. He says, let me at him. That's crazy. So this is his giant. He says, let me at my giant. This is his mountain. He says, let me at this mountain. So King Saul hears, hey, there's one guy that says he'll fight him, but he's a little 16-year-old. King Saul says, I, I just need to talk to someone that has some confidence. So they're having a conversation. Listen, 1 Samuel 17, 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. 16-year-old. He never used the sword, never was in battle. And so Saul says, listen, David, 
you're 16. He's a giant. He's been doing war his whole life. You've never even fought in a sword fight. You can't handle this guy. So David says, listen, listen. I was watching my father's sheep, and a lion came. And I can't take a lion, but God gave me supernatural strength like Samson, and I tore that lion up. He said, later a bear came and tried to take one of the sheep. God gave me supernatural ability because I'm in covenant with God. He said, and with God's strength, I, I killed that bear. Now Saul's, you, you know when you get around someone with confidence, it just bleed, it just leaks out of them. It's like, Saul's like, all right then, all right, go get him, go get him. So, so listen to verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Is that not different than what's coming out of everybody else's mouth? All they could say is, hey, hey, if you, if, if you can beat him, Saul will give you his daughter to marry, so you'll be, you'll be related to the king, you'll be the king's son-in-law, and, and then he'll give you all kind of money and cut your taxes. That couldn't even motivate anybody because they were all shaking in their boots. They're all saying, he's too big, he's too big. And then this little kid says, I can take him. God's going to help me. It's no big deal. I'm a covenant with God. He's not... I really believe a modern-day equivalent to this scripture is Philippians 4.13. This is what Paul said about all the attacks that came at him, all the mountains in his life, all the giants he had to face. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, what if that was our belief system, and no matter what comes at us, we just say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, translate, I'm in covenant with God. God's, God's going God's to help me in this area of my life. We're, we're going to do this. What would happen if we began to speak what the Bible says, and just began to let it roll over. Giants would go down. So, so Saul says, all right, go out there. Do you realize he's putting the whole nation of Israel, uh, the whole nation's uh, future depends on a 16-year-old kid, but he saw there's something in this kid. So David goes down to Elah, the valley, and he's walking towards Goliath. Goliath's walking towards him, and Goliath begins to get a look at him, and I just thought you'd enjoy this dialogue. It's amazing. Verse 41, it says, Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. Verse 42, He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome and despised him. Verse 43, He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Verse 44, He said, Come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. I don't know about you. This picture doesn't do it justice. But how would you feel if you were standing in front of this giant and he just trash-talked you like that? Man, you better, you better know what God's promised you and what God's declared. And isn't that what all the giants in the mountains in our life speak to us? And it can be really intimidating. But God's saying, hey, Jesus is saying, hey, your words are so powerful. You just start speaking what you believe, and you're going to reshape the landscape of your life. That's what God's saying to us. And some of us know things. We're just not letting it come out. Jesus said, you need to be talking to your giants. You need to be talking to your mountains. So David talks back. David is so cool. I'm looking forward to meeting him in heaven. So he says this in verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. How many of us can be comf uh, pretty confident if we know God's going God's to help us? It, confidence comes, right? L listen to verse 46. For this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. So he takes out a little slingshot, one little stone. 
There's no way he could, he could toss that hard enough uh, to kill Goliath. I mean, that monster, God put velocity. God grabbed that rock and, boom, went into his head. We don't know if it killed him or knocked him out, but David went and grabbed his sword when he's laying on the ground. David cuts his head off, picks his head up like this, and goes, ah, God is awesome. And so the Philistines are so scared, they begin to run away. The Israeli army all of a sudden has faith. They come down and... And it, the whole landscape, the landscape of Israel changed. The Philistines were defeated. All their problems disappeared because one person was speaking what God had already declared and said. And my heart is that the giants in our life begins to fall. Last week we talked about believing is seen. This week I just want I titled this Believing Speaks. And I just want you to begin to speak like you've never spoken before. Guys, let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I did my best to bring out this incredible part of the Bible. And I thank you for these awesome people, Lord, that are hungry. And I thank you for growing all of us. Some of us have heard these things for years, but thank you for opening our eyes up further. Lord, thank you that we can walk away understanding our words shape our world. This week, as we go through the week, Lord, make us aware of some things that are coming out of our mouth that aren't biblical, that maybe are on the negative side. And Lord, just help us begin to change what comes out of this mouth. And Lord, thank you for showing us how powerful things we believe are that we speak forth. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm convinced God is right now speaking to people's hearts. He is, he's changing lives right now, man. He, he is showing us some minor adjustments we can make that will absolutely reshape our world. And Lord, I thank you for doing that in every one of our lives. For some of you, he's giving you instruction right now. I want to encourage you, say yes to what God's speaking to your heart. It will change you forever. For some of you, he's giving you a plan to transform. He's telling you, this is how you can, this is how you can get more of the Bible, and you do this, do this on a daily basis. He's just showing you right now. You know why he's showing you that? So you can move mountains out of your life and kill giants. You are a giant killer. You are a mountain mover, and that's what God wants you to walk away seeing at this moment. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to allow God to keep ministering life to people, but maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm not sure of my forever. I'm not sure if I were to die if I'd go to heaven or hell. Listen, listen to what Jesus did. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus came. <clears throat> he always existed. He's the one that spoke the universe into existence took on human flesh, lived amongst us, taught us about God, showed us God, and then he said, I, I, I have to do what I came to do, and he allowed himself to be crucified on the cross. The Bible says God placed the sins of the entire world on him. That's amazing. He died, he was buried, spent three days, three nights in the heart of the earth, and then God raised him up from the grave. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever believes in me will not perish, but receive everlasting life. Here's what I'm asking today. Hey, if you're sitting here, you say, Pastor Joe, I believe that, but I can't remember a day when I made it personal. But I'm ready today to make it personal with Jesus. If you're here and that's you, I want to pray with you right now. And I'm not asking you to join a church or a religion. I'm asking you to make it real with Jesus. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church, if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult, all great things. But you can do that and never, ever, ever trust in Jesus. Never, ever make it to heaven. But if you're here and you say, hey, I'm ready today to make it personal, pray with me right now. Church, help us out. If you pray this from your heart, the miracle happens. Just say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. And this day, I look to Jesus. Jesus, 
I believe that you died for me. I believe God brought you out of that grave. I believe you're the Savior. Today I receive you as my Savior, and I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.